0: This is Mentoring Sunday. We're also calling it kind of Job Shadow Sunday. Uh, You know, job shadowing is when somebody who's usually older or more experienced uh, brings somebody else along a little younger, less experienced, and lets them shadow, literally shadow and walk and do and push the buttons and hold the microphones that the older one does. And uh, in that way, I think one of the best ways to shape another life is to let them shadow you and let them share in your responsibilities. So I... I thought I would show you a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, demonstrations of what happens when um, an older has influence over the younger. Let's take a look at some of these. There's older having influence in the park, teaching a little Bible study, Sunday school sitting on the floor. Older people having a lot of influence on the younger. Another classroom there, isn't that cute? They're learning about Jesus all around the world, even young kids teaching younger Kids than them, and eventually they all become followers of Christ. And a lot of times, the traits are more physical than spiritual. And every now and then, you just dress them up like you, right? Then of course, you can do their hair. And sometimes you don't even try. They just are like you when they fall asleep. And then you can make them all the same kind of dresses. Put the same kind of wreath on their hair. And if they don't look alike, just wear the same T-shirt. I love it. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Here's my favorite. Sometimes you probably want to let that one go. No, you don't want to look like me, right? So this morning, um, before I invite my, my co-preacher up here with me, I just want to share a couple of uh, what I want to do is uh, just read a passage for you from the Bible that um, describes really what we're all about as Christians, not just mentors and disciples, but as Christians. And so if you'll uh, follow along with me, something's happening here, bud. I can't even follow that. All right. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 from the Message Bible. It says, attention, Israel, God, our God, is the one and only God. So love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love them with all that's in you. Love them with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. So here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to invite uh, my co-pastor up here and let him take us to the next step. What we're doing today is uh, getting ready to baptize a couple of folks. And um, one of the ways that we shape the lives of other people is to let them duplicate what Jesus himself did. So I would like you to welcome Mr. Joshua Allen. And because we're baptizing, um, I'm going to have him do a little teaching on water baptism.
1: Good morning, church. Um, In Romans 6, 4 through 7, the Bible says, Being baptized, we were buried with Christ into his death. Christ has been raised from the dead by the Father's glory. And like Christ, we also can live a new life. By being baptized, we have been joined with him and a death like his so we will certainly also be joined with him in a resurrection like his. We know that we used to be was nailed to the cross with him. That happened so our bodies that were ruled by sin would lose their power, so we are no longer sin That's because those who have died have been set free from sin. Water baptism is our chance to tell the world that we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are telling our friends, our family, and all the angels and the demons that we are no longer belong to this world. We belong in the kingdom of God.
0: Pastor Josh, I was wondering, could you pray for our time now that we are ready to get baptized? Would you mind just praying for everybody in the room? I know I surprised you, huh? But I've heard you pray before. And I was wondering if you could just pray a short blessing over everybody, okay? Thank you. Let's pray.
1: Dear Jesus, thank you that you gave us this life, and you gave us a wonderful time, and you gave us to be this time with our family, and just worship you. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Very well done. Thank you, Pastor. Give me five. I always get high fives when I preach, too. Good job. Thank you very much. You can go have a seat now. Well done. So, as I was saying earlier, um, you know, water baptism is a, an opportunity to duplicate exactly what Jesus himself did. And Jesus did it not because he had to be forgiven of sin. He was sinless, right? Um, he was baptized so that he could say, I submit to my heavenly Father in all things. It's no longer I who live, but it's my Father who lives through me. So what he was dying to was his own self-will, and he handed it over to God's will. And so the two gentlemen that are being baptized this morning are doing the same thing, also demonstrating forgiveness of sin, dead to sin, coming up, being alive to God, but also surrendering their will. And it was important for Jesus to do that because in the garden, he was really tempted to give up. Really tempted to take back control of his life, really strongly tempted to say no to God and yes to himself. And so it's a really great way to start a brand new beginning. Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, water baptism is a, a recommitment to say, It's not my life, Lord, it's your life. So with that, I'd like to invite Dana Davis to come on up here. <clears throat> So what you want to do is step down, step down, and then sit down right in there, okay? Yeah, all the way down. How's the water? Not bad? Good. Kid, it's toasty. It's awesome. Oh, I'm not supposed to touch the water with a microphone, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Well, Dana, we've known each other for a long time. And uh, you've been through a lot, and God has rescued you and kept you strong and healthy, brought you a lovely wife, lovely children, and uh, it's really been exciting to see you grow. So I'm curious, can you share with us why it is you decided to be baptized now? Yeah, um, I've been raised in the church my entire life. I was baptized uh, in 1984 with my dad when I was seven years old, and uh, always kind of rode the the family's coattails with Jesus. And... uh, I just want to do this for me and for my relationship with him and not have it be someone else, but to be me and him. So, Amen. Well said. I love it. All right. Dana, is there anything we can pray for after uh, or before we baptize you? Anything in particular going forward? Mm, just happiness and health for my family and I. Amen. We will do that. I'm going to put this down, and then I'm going to lay hands on you. Okay. Can you hold this? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise and thank you for being out. We thank you, Lord God, that he has chosen of his own free will to say, No, now it's my decision to follow you with my whole heart, not rather anyone else's coat cows. It's my decision to be baptized, become the new creature that I already am in an even fuller way. Lord, we ask that you help me. To resist all the temptations that come his way, oh Lord, so that he can actually experience what it means to be dead to sin. And Lord, we pray that you would fill him with his Holy, your Holy Spirit in you know, a fresh way so that he can actually experience what it's like to be alive to God, new creature in Christ. You know? and Father, we pray that you give him strength and joy and peace in his home and in his heart, Father. Help him to his family just three years. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
2: Proud to be standing up here with this guy. His name is John. John Rains, and we are from Teen Challenge. My name is Samuel, and uh, this is Gary. I'm just happy to be standing alongside this guy. Uh, I remember his first day in Teen Challenge. Um, he is—he was not the man you see standing before him uh, before you today. Uh, I was thinking about in worship as we were worshiping. Uh, I was thinking about a story in First Samuel where uh, Samuel is going to anoint the prophet David, and he says that the Lord does not look at the outward appearance, but He looks at the heart. And I'm just so proud that uh, the Lord has breathed life into John, and um, and he is uh, he is welcomed into the kingdom of the Lord. So, John, um, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, your life before you had an encounter with Christ? It was dark and sinful. Now it's going to be all change. Yeah. So we're happy to be standing with you today, and uh, I think Gary has a confession for you to to read. So um, when you come to Christ, he doesn't take the old hard drive out. It's still in there. But you get a new download. And you get to choose every time whether you're gonna go the old way or the new way. There's two people in there. Yes, do you still, did you like pepperoni pizza before Jesus? Uh, yes, sir. Do you like it now? Of course. <laughs> here you go. So as you walk through there, you're, today we're gonna to demonstrate you're dying to that old nature and then living again in the new nature. Yes. And every time you walk out here and make a choice, you have a choice now to do the old things or the new things. This is a signifying, you're doing that all over again, over and over again. So, you have this profession of faith to read. It says, by my baptism, I am declaring my old and sinful self has been crucified with Christ. I am publicly stating that my, I am putting my sinful habits and attitudes on the cross. I die to them and put on a new life Jesus has given me with habits and his attitudes and his ways of being. I acknowledge my freedom in Jesus and allow his process of transformation and healing in my life. I choose to live my life in Christ for his purposes and his love and power. On your profession and faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: All right, let's give him another round of applause. Good job, man. Thank you. All right, praise God. That is so exciting. If you have never been baptized in water or if you were baptized as a child and it didn't really mean much to you personally, we'd love to do that. And uh, celebrate with you. And uh, we need you to sign up ahead of time, though, so we can send you a Bible study and get your heart ready. And uh, next time we do this, we'll do it with you. Hey, I've got a couple more comments, and we're going to dismiss all the kids who are not working in an area of ministry right now. Kids, thanks for being with us. Give the kids a hand as well. Matthew 10. There's a, um, just a little thing I want to close with this morning. It has to do with... Being salt and light in our communities. What, what we've been talking about in building a discipling culture all these weeks has been finding ways to hang out with people in your community, in your village, that need to meet your Savior. Finding ways to not be afraid of them. Finding ways to expect God to open doors for you. Um, this verse in Matthew 10 is one that we've heard a lot. It goes like this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, And whenever... Or whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. If you heard that verse before, the focus has probably been... You know, if someone's not listening to the gospel, you got to shake the dust off your feet and walk out, man. They're they're in trouble. If they don't listen to you, you know, shake the dust off their feet and turn your back on them and pull back your blessing. But we often miss the very first part where Jesus says, wait, if they allow you to enter into their house, bring a blessing of peace and stay with them until you're done in that city. What Jesus was trying to describe was if you go through a town into a village two by two, and start talking to people, you're going to find out who those persons of peace are. You're going to find out the ones who are open, ready to open their hearts and their homes to you. But if you don't talk to them, you'll never identify them. You'll never find out which ones they are. But once you find a person of peace, Jesus literally meant stay with them. If it's a week, if it's a month, if it's three months, stay with them until you leave that city. So he was really inviting them to have a live-in experience with other members of a community or a village that that did not yet know a Savior named Jesus. And so if we can start thinking a little bit more long-term, looking and praying for persons of peace, Lord, who are those people at my office who never make fun of me when I talk about Christianity? That could be a person of peace. There could be a relationship developed where there would be this kind of springboard into other relationships and other people's lives. Sometimes you can meet one person at work who happens to have 88 connections and influences in other people's lives where you may have only had that one. And so if we just begin to pray and expect, pray and expect, I didn't hear any stories where the disciples came back and told Jesus, you know what? We couldn't find anybody. We asked everybody. Nobody opened their doors. So we shook the dust off our feet and we're back. Oh, well, didn't happen. They looked, they prayed, they expected until they found those people. As you know, we've been going over to Northwood and uh, it's fun to find out a couple of kids are starting to come to wildfire who haven't been part of a church for years. We found out later on they were saved, but it's taken us two years to build that relationship and to kind of just keep knocking on doors of relationship and friendship to find out who those people are. And it turns out this one young gal just knows everybody. She's very popular. So we're going, yes, Lord, bring him. Bring him into your kingdom. I was uh, at Tabby's preschool the other day. And uh, Tabby's three, is that correct? Yeah. And so preschool. And there's about 20 other three-year-olds in this you know, room where there's activity centers and there's a little book center and there's, you know, crafts and a snack table. And it's just kind of a nice, beautiful, big play area where parents and their children just basically play together. It's not a, a learning, like, lecture sort of class. It's a hands-on sort of thing. And so uh, we're going around and Tabby goes, hey, it's snack time. I want a snack. And so uh, Tabby is already very well developed at pouring from a pitcher water into her own cup and grabbing with pinchers tangerines out of a bowl and putting them on her plate. Of course, you have to put some back for the other kids, Tabby, but. (laughs) Then I noticed another mom brought her son over and, and she did everything for him, just perfectly. And the son just sat back and I'm thinking, I didn't say anything, but I think the point is to teach the kids those motor skills now. And it doesn't have to be perfect, it's gonna be a mess. They're gonna spill some things. And some of the ways that we learn best is by doing. Reaching those who don't know our Savior can be frightening for some reason or another. It just is. But until we try, we'll never really learn. We'll never really experience the grace of God. We'll never really experience a yes until we ask the question. Don't go around looking for, hey, are you a person of peace? They won't know what you're talking about. Don't use that language. Just be a friend. Just be a friend. Well, if you've never filled out one of our Connect Cards... There are several around in the backs of your chairs, and we would love to just connect with you a little bit more. If you could fill these out, leave them with Andrea on your way out or at the window out there, that would be wonderful. Well, today was wonderful for me, but there's more to come. My wife has been leading a Bible study called Rooted that she's going to share a little bit about.
3: Thank you, honey. All right, we're going to do a little more worship here, so could everybody stand up, please? Did you know that worship is just focusing on God and on what Christ has done for you? That's worship. It can be in your car. It can be in your restroom. It could be on your job. It could be anywhere, so What I want to do is, well, before I talk about rooted, I want us all to be rooted and worshiping God. So what I want you to do is take a breath, and I want you to close your eyes. And Father, we are going to worship you for just a minute. We are going to stop. We're going to think about you. We're going to focus on you and what you have done, and who you are, and who we are becoming in you. You alone are our focus, Lord, not the people around us, not the stuff that's going on in our lives, but you, Father. We, we choose to worship you right now. We choose right now to be rooted and grounded like the cedars of Lebanon next to the river of life that flows from your throne, Father. We just receive that. Just wash over us. Wash over us, Father. Wash over us, Father. Mm. We worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your living water and we just soak it up from our feet. Let it travel up finally to our brains then back down into our hearts. As we worship you. And all the trees sat down. Thank you. You may be seated. So rooted is a. What some people would call a discipleship program. I call it a worship program. Because the focus of rooted is all about God. Rooted began in Africa, in the um, country of Kenya. And somebody from California went to Kenya, and they went, "Oh wow, what you're doing is really working. We could actually use that in the United States." Is that beautiful or what? Yes, it is. <laughs> mm. Just think about that for a minute, and I'll make no comments. So. They took the Rooted program that was in other cultures in Sri Lanka and in Kenya and, I think, Haiti, and then they revised it to make it work for us so we could actually be God-lovers, god worshipers, God-focused people. Now, what I have discovered in my few years of ministry is that we had this idea That when you find Jesus, we all look like this. We all like all all the same. And we're kind of small. What I found out in Rooted is God is the focus. God made us like this. This is a cookie tray, hand-fashioned, piece by piece in Peru. Everyone is different. No two are alike. And so... When you go through the program of Rooted for 10 weeks, you don't go through it with the idea that God's looking for us all to be like this, so everybody's the same, and your feelings, and your experience, and we're all going to do it the same, and how you pray, we all pray the same, and we all give the same, and we all see God's story the same. No, it's not like that at all. In fact, I put these on the table every time we meet, so we don't trip over ourselves. It is non-judgmental. It is focused on the Word. And as an individual made and fashioned in God's mind and hand, you choose what you're going to believe in. And you have the Word to measure everything against. And sometimes you are ready to go, hmm, I didn't really see that right. Hmm. I think I need to adjust that. And you're with a group of people that will allow you to share where you're at and help you along your journey. But your journey's your own. And it's like, um, anybody here a gardener? So um, I grow artichokes, which you're not supposed to grow up here. Christians are like artichokes. We are in an alien world. We are not supposed to grow here. But we do. And I went out to see my artichokes, and I thought, ooh, it's a bad winter. They're never going to make it. They're never going to make it. So I I pulled off all of the old leaves, and on some of the leaves, I found real bugs. I mean, the, the snails, the slugs, the caterpillars, they made it through the winter. All those bugs are all those broken parts of our lives. And we, as artichokes... We can either decide to peel back that leaf, expose that little varmint, pest, pick it off, or we can just kind of keep it close, and next year the bug will be there again. Or, going through rooted, you kind of peel it back and go, oh, I see that, you see that? Should we take it off? Should we keep it? And you can decide to keep that bug for another year. Because the plant will survive because God has planted that seed. God has planted you where you are in an alien place. And you get to choose how much fruit you want. You get to choose how healthy you want to be. So I would urge you, when we do this for women again in January, please consider signing up. You will be in a safe place You will learn your story, God's story, and how you can grow and become the woman, and if you're in a men's group, the man that God has called you to be. And you're going to be one of those Christians people could actually stand because you're real. Because your story's real, and you and your God have a real relationship, genuine. So we are going to do a cardboard testimony, and I'm not going to put this in the water.
0: thank you. Let's give them all a hand. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so encouraged. You guys are awesome. Ten weeks. Yeah, rooted this coming fall. Keep your eye open for it and uh, join us. Praise the Lord. Well, it's kind of a short service today, but that leaves you lots of time to hang out with one another, get to know each other. Teen Challenge, thanks again for coming. Hey, if you have, yeah, good job. If you have the time and the interest, Trivia Night is a wonderful time. to just hang out and laugh and and have a great time, meet some new friends. Come back here at 5 o'clock, bring a snack to share. We'll also have some snacks for you. Uh, Bring as many people as you can, especially those who need to meet your Savior. Show them we know how to have fun and be friendly too. All right,
3: God bless you. See you next week.